minicast free counseling for frontline staff with dr karen cohen let's go welcome to solving healthcare i'm quadro karen mantang I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients and their families because inefficiencies, overwork and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified and just for everyone involved. Welcome back crew. We are doing this mini cast on free psych services for frontline staff during COVID-19. This is put on by the Canadian Psychological Association and we talked to CEO Dr. Karen Cohen who talks about why this developed, what the logistics are, how we make it ha- how they made it happen and honestly, we're just going to jump into it. So without further ado, Dr. Karen Cohen. On the podcast today, we got Dr. Karen Cohen, CEO of the Canadians Psychological. I keep on saying, I want to say psychological. No, it's psychological. That's it. Is it psychological? It is, yes. Psychological Association, <laughs> CPA. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you. You actually know my wife. I do. <laughs> you should have failed her, by the way. I think. <laughs> Not a chance. Yeah, no, we <laughs> joke at, at dinner parties saying like I was her thesis because I was, he did a lot of work. But um, <laughs> but no, I really appreciate you being on the show. Pleasure. I just want to celebrate this initiative that you are trying to provide frontline healthcare providers with free psychological services. And I, I, I can't commend this enough. So I'm, you know, maybe just Karen, talk to us about that. Like what's, sure. what, what spurred this on? Um, and uh, yeah, no, I just want to also commend you for you and your organization for starting something like this. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think though, first shout out to the psychologists who signed up to be on the roster of providers. I yes. think they deserve the the lion's share of the kudos because they're the ones who are providing their time and expertise. I think where it came from was really out of a recognition that, um, you know, there are many aspects of a pandemic um, and obviously the physical ones are the ones we've got to make as a priority so that we can figure out who has it, how to treat them and how to prevent it. But the, the psychosocial impacts are huge for people. And there's probably more of us who are going to end up having to cope with the psychological impacts of living in a pandemic, then there are people who are going to have serious consequences of getting the virus. You're the <laughs> physician. So, but, but, um, but that's probably the case. And we thought, well, we know something about how people cope as psychologists. And we also know um, how stressful it is to be on the front lines of helping people navigate something that we keep hearing the word unprecedented, but I'll use it again, that is just so unprecedented. So we thought, how can we help? How can we help in some immediate way um, out of recognition of the extra stress and extra burden that is on people who, who are still out there doing physical um, face-to-face contact for care? So that was really the motivation. The first thing we did, of course, was go out to members and say, so what do you think? Would you be interested? Uh, in very short order, uh, we ended up 
between with between 250 and 300 psychologists on the re- register. Um, so what they've agreed to do is to be contacted by frontline health providers, return those requests for uh, help within 24 hours, and to provide emergency COVID-related uh, psychological service. So, you know, it's not just general service for, you know, marital problems and depression. It's really geared towards people on the front lines trying to navigate some of the, the stresses they're living providing that kind of care. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the thing, too, is, yeah, I'm obviously married to a psychologist. There's a lot of issues pre-COVID, like in our world and and, mm-hmm. and in healthcare, whether it's dealing with, you know, life and death issues regarding, um, you know, end of life issues. There's so many layers there. And, you know, it just, I feel, gets compounded in in the face of, of such a, a pen, like a crazy time with the pandemic. Because, yeah, like being... I got to say, like, you know, I was there when, for example, the first case came to our, our, our ICU, the, uh, like, it was tough. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you, the, the stress was palpable. And, you know, I think people knowing that there was a resource similar to this, like, and once again, it's beautiful that it's throughout the country too. Um, we'll, we'll definitely, once the awareness really amps up, they'll, they'll definitely be taking advantage of this. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of like the anticipated impacts, like for, for healthcare providers, like where do you mm-hmm. see it with, with or without help? Like what do you see as being some of the major mm-hmm. uh, psychosocial concerns? Yeah. Good question. I, I think obviously You know, I remember way back when, when I was the younger psychologist and my husband and I were expecting a baby and we went to a prenatal class and everyone said, well, you're both psychologists, of course, you're going to raise perfect children. And we (laughs) said, um, well, we were human beings before we were psychologists and and we're going to make mistakes too. And so I think the thing to remember is that even though as health providers, folks have very specialized knowledge about how the brain works, how the body works and all of that, they're also human beings. So the things that I think all of us are facing and dealing with with COVID, so will health providers. And on top of that are the added stressors. You mentioned some of them, like some very difficult decisions to make about having to work with people who have, you know, particularly the ones who become very ill. Those are the ones you're going to end up seeing in hospital and, you know, wondering, you know, do you have the right treatments and interventions? And that's a challenge. Um, very difficult to to do the kind of work where people can't have their loved ones about them. So if you're very sick and you can't have your family there and in, in situations where people pass away, you can't mourn and grieve in the way that we would ordinarily. So those, those are real stresses. I think too, for health providers, and again, you know, Haji, you can certainly speak to this more than I, but you have so much information coming at you all at once mm-hmm. and it's changing quickly. And while all of that is happening, you have to make decisions. You've got to treat people. And that that is a a very, very stressful thing. Um, Taking care, time out to care for yourself is probably hard for a health provider anyway. It's going to be harder now. Um, You see see the worst and not the usual, right? So the people who end up in tertiary care and hospitals are are the sickest of the sick from, from this pandemic. And those are the ones that you're facing. Uh, worries for your own health, worries for the health of your families. I think that's right up there for health providers, certainly Mm -hmm. what we've been seeing. Um, Some health providers have separated themselves from their families, depending on the nature of their work out of concern. Mm -hmm. 
uh, childcare as a resource wow. is not what it was. So I, I think, uh, you know, worries about personal protective equipment, medical equipment, can you successfully treat someone? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have enough space to treat everyone? These are extra, I think, pressures that health providers face who are providing frontline services. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would echo everything that you mentioned as being major concerns uh, amongst our, uh, amongst the staff. And, you know, it's, it, it is 2020, but it is seems like there's still that roadblock or taboo in terms of mental health still. Like it's mm-hmm. not the same that it was 10 years ago. And, and I think by removing such a barrier as, for example, cost, uh, at a time like this could be um, not only helpful in general, like at a time like this, but also maybe even like um, a way of entry for people that actually need it, you know, like even before COVID. Because um, as I mentioned, there's a lot of of, of stressors and, and illness pre-COVID amongst yeah. all of us. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe this is serves not only for now, but also for the future. In some ways. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, they say that in every crisis, there's opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, talking about stigma, I think as a society, as stakeholders, we've done a terrific job over the past 10 years, as you mentioned, in trying to combat the stigma of having a mental health problem. But I think where we still have a lot of work to go and to do is in making care accessible when someone acknowledges that they have a mental health problem for which they need help. There are there's a huge evidence base for the effectiveness of psychological treatments for mental health problems and disorders. But I think we we don't make them sufficiently accessible. So as you you know, you have a wife who's a psychologist. If a psychologist works in private practice outside of a publicly funded institution, those treatments are not funded by our public health insurance plans. And although there are Canadians who have extended health care insurance through employment, often the caps on coverage don't give them enough support to get an evidence-based dose of treatment. Mm-hmm. So we have a ways to go. And, and CPA um, certainly takes that seriously. And we um, are trying to, uh, to change that um, mm-hmm. with, with insurers, public insurers, private insurers, so that Canadians who could benefit from care they need will, will have access to it. Oh, and honestly, Karen, I think it would, you know, people often look at the short-sightedness when it comes to the bottom line. And I honestly think you would save the system money if this was part of universal health, for sure. I I think of like, even, you know, in the context of our frontline staff, you're stressed, you're anxious, your your catecholamines or your your ability to fight off infections is going to be less so you're more likely to to call in sick for work needing more overtime more pay that way um i just i honestly think you know if we were to be a little bit long sighted with with when it comes to mental health and, and invest in it as you mentioned um this would just serve us in so many ways. Yeah. In so many ways. And you're so right. And there's good data for that. Like the mm-hmm. impact of unaddressed mental health problems on the workplace, presenteeism, absenteeism, productivity, mm-hmm. employee satisfaction, um, even the medical, the healthcare cost offset of addressing someone's medical problem, right? So, you know, if you're depressed or you're anxious and you need help and you're not able to access it, it doesn't mean you stop going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may continue to go, I can't sleep. I'm not eating well. I'm gaining weight. I'm losing weight. These kinds of things. 
Um, so there, there's actually uh, data that suggests if you help people address the psychological problems they have, you'll reduce their use of healthcare by 30%. I honestly, informal uh, opinion, I have no doubts about that. <laughs> like I, I mean, we see it even just with the patients that come in to hospital that are uh, that are highly um, anxious with care or or their um, mood is down. Like mm-hmm. they don't get better as quickly, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Like they're not getting out of bed to get participant physio. They are, you know, they're might be more prone to infection just because of the the level of stress. So like I I personally without seeing a single paper on this truly believe that is a, a, a that is a, that to be true. Yeah, I was just going to say I mean um I I'm I am a psychologist but I I don't practice currently but I used to practice in health and rehabilitation psychology and managing illness is about behavior. Exactly mm-hmm. as you say. So how well someone recovers whether it's an acute illness or a chronic illness, is about how they take care of themselves. Are they mm-hmm. following through on the recommendations, their diet, their exercise, their mood? All of these things are really critical to how well we manage our health. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. In terms of how we, not only among healthcare providers, but we're all, we're, I don't know, this is April 24th, we're recording this. We're, I want to say, six weeks into social isolation mm-hmm. and physical isolation how, how do we how do we cope like is is you know the, like I'm, I'm i'm fortunate enough to be able to work from home and got good family support but you know i'm the lucky one there's so many other people that are you know struggling right now any general suggestions yeah I think, you know, one of the things we want to keep in mind, and this is sort of an optimistic bent, is that people are pretty resilient. We're pretty resilient. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. So we have the skills and abilities to cope with stress. Um, There's things we can do to to promote that. Um, You need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of your community, of course, and the people who depend on you. You need to know yourself. So not all of us are going to benefit from the same kinds of things. So what might work for me to feel more relaxed might be a different thing than works for you. So knowing yourself is important. But to making that time to relax, to do things that you enjoy, to exercise and sleep well within the confines, of course, of physical distancing now are really, really important. The self-care piece is really, really important. Um, we always caution people that when you want to stay informed, obviously, you want to keep on top of what the guidance is. But sometimes you also have to know when to turn it off. So get the information, go to credible sources, but but limit it because all COVID all the time is probably not going to make for less stress. So you want to try to um, put some brackets around that, get good information, follow it, but put some limits, connecting with other people. Um, often say, isn't it, aren't we fortunate in a way, if this had happened 20 or 30 years ago, without all the technology to support social connection, it would, we'd be in a different place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think we're, we're fortunate for that. Keeping routines is really important, important for kids, but important for adults too. developing some routines. Um, that whole other, we have a bunch of fact sheets on our web- website. If your your listeners are interested on how to work at home, how to work at home with kids, that kind of stuff, uh, can really uh, can really help because that's that's stressful, isn't it? Right, mm-hmm. having to 
do those multi-role things all at the same time uh, yeah. can take its toll. Uh, no, that's very helpful, Karen. I, you know, I think the, I don't know if the self-care gets emphasized enough and, you know, I think it looks different for a lot of people, as you mentioned, but um, I think you got to be a little bit creative at times, you mm-hmm. know, because for some people it is, you know, having that sense of community and doing group activities where, so, you know, now with, with social distancing, it's not possible, but um yeah, all, I mean, a lot of the things you say, I think, are so important. And mm-hmm. I, ironically, I feel like a lot of people, when it comes to staying connected, in some ways, you know, I feel like since so many people are at home, they are connecting more, you know, yeah. with the with FaceTime or what have you, with the friends they haven't seen in a while, or even uh, even if they live in the same city, uh, it's been quite remarkable, actually. Um, and Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, if there's one like parting thing around the self-control that I think is important, because I think we see a lot of people feeling anxious at this time. I would probably put that at the top of the list. People are just feeling anxious. So they're worried about their health. They're worried about their loved one's health. They're worried about family members or friends who might, you know, have comorbidities or vulnerabilities to. I think what's important is that we spend more time uh, focusing on what we can control than on what we can't. And if you find yourself sitting there and worrying about the things that you can't control, that might be your cue that it's time to do something else, whether it's talk to someone or do something to relax or take care of yourself. There's a lot of things we can't control with this pandemic, but there are some things that we can. And and, and I guess my guidance would be just shift that. Spend more time thinking about what you can control than what you can't. Yes, I, I that is gold right there. Because um, that, is, that is truly the... Th- I mean, the theme is there's anxiety everywhere, everywhere. I mean, go to Costco right now Mm -hmm. if you had to. Like, it's people are, I don't know where to start. It's like, are you six and a half feet away or are you six (laughs) and three quarters? Like, it's, you know, everyone's just, the anxiety is wound up or is uh, palpable. Um, but yeah, it's exactly as you put it. Like, what can you control? And and focusing on that—that's everything right now. Mm-hmm. Any other things you would want the public audience? Any other message you would want to bust out, Karen? Um, yeah, I guess I guess just you know a couple of things is that um, it, it's perfectly uh, normal to feel anxious or stressed now. So if you're, if you're thinking, Oh my goodness, I should be coping with this better. No, this affects us all. It's okay. Um, it's, it's, it's not any sign of, of weakness. It affects us all in this way. Um, maintaining connections, taking care of yourself are, uh, really, really critical pieces, asking for help. Um, being there for your kids and your loved ones. It's an interesting thing that, Caring for others and being kind, I think, and generous at this time is going to have benefits for the person you're helping and you too. Mm-hmm. I think people do better when they, they can be uh, generous, when they can be kind, when they can be helpful, they can be good role models. Um, we, have, we have a lot of resources on dealing with kids, but maybe just uh, a few quick things. Answer their questions as honestly as you can. Of course, you want to balance being, you know, giving them information with not uh, uh, not adding to fears or anything, but acknowledge how they're feeling, hear what they're saying, and hear what they're not saying. Look at how they're acting. Um, 
keep on top of whether uh, any of their behavior might be out of the ordinary for them. Um, but just, you know, stay connected and, and try to hear their experience too. I mean, in general, okay, yeah. we, we got to make an effort to stay connected more than ever amongst our healthcare providers, amongst our families, amongst our, fr- our friends. I think this is how we really truly get through this, uh, uh, like coming out better on the other side of all this. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, I got to really thank you again, Karen, for uh, doing the show. I'll leave uh, links to the how people can find psychological services within their province. Um, and I know it's on the CPA site. And mm-hmm. uh, just as a reminder, everybody, just to make sure that the provider is within your province to help facilitate that. But uh, once again, Karen, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And I, I hope... Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Thank you so much, Kojo. Take care. Be safe. Well, absolutely. Uh, And that is it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope that was useful for you guys. Please leave any comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Quadcast. Please don't hesitate to subscribe, whether it's on iTunes Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We really appreciate your support. Leave a five-star rating if you're up to it. I want to thank our sponsors, BetterHelp and Audible for their support. As you may have seen, we're continuing to do some webinars on not just COVID-19 content, but other content just to give you an opportunity for some Q&A. So stay tuned for that. Please sign up when available. I want to thank our team at Solving Healthcare, continuing to produce amazing show notes. We're going to start a newsletter soon. Social media team, we really appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Quadcast listeners, stay healthy, stay home, and remember, we'll get through this. Take care, everybody.